Hello, Wildcats. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first Wildcats. This is nasty stuff. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of stats. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of stats. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of facts. Full cast corner, it's a matter of fat, fat, fat cats on top. Still humble, rumble, bare knuckle. Welcome to the jungle. Red Army Order, Championship Order, Number One Reporter. Full cast corner. Oh, just still appreciating that intro. So thanks again to Cool Cat Joe out there for hooking us up with a new intro to the podcast. Welcome back to all the Cool Cats once again. This is a pretty special episode in which we have the owner of NBL News, Evan. So you can catch him on Instagram or Twitter as well at NBL News. He has 10,000 followers on his Instagram account. You find out that he's had the page since about 2014 and it's grown substantially since that point. So we have a really good chat with Evan towards the end of the podcast. We open it up with a news cycle. A segment last week, which I got a lot of great feedback on. So we're going to run that one one more time for you guys as well. But I recorded the news cycle a couple of days ago. So a lot of breaking news has happened since then. Good thing we had Evan onto the podcast to hash it all out with me on air for you guys. We run through some free agency stuff as well. So Cool Cats, hang around for that. It's a packed and loaded fun podcast for you guys today. Hoping you enjoy yourself. So let's kick it off with the news cycle. Kick back, relax, and uh, we're the Cool Cats corner. I hope you enjoy. All right, Cool Cats, welcome back once again for another edition of a Cool Cat look at the NBL news for the week. So the way I did this quite successfully last week was I split it up into three different little mini segments, one called Homicide Watch, which is awarded to the news segment generating the most amount of hype for the week. I have the hot hand, which is given to the news segment, which needs a little bit more credit. And the final segment is called Airball. And that is awarded to the news article or piece of news which has come out during the week, which has left the NBL public saying, yikes. So, to kick us all off with Homicide Watch, Public Enemy, start the music. All right, thank you once again, Public Enemy. So we've not had basketball for quite some time. And as basketball fans, we have been starved of ball due to this COVID outbreak. So whenever the demand for a product seriously outweighs the supply of it, I'm often left asking the question, should we believe the hype? 
The basketball tournament, or TBT, is back for another season, and this has been a very welcome sight for Hoops fans everywhere, and I think it's brilliant. So the basketball tournament is on Homicide Watch for this week. Now, the basketball tournament is actually set up as is. So it's a win or go home tournament. There are 24 teams, $1 million US prize money up for grabs, nine minute quarters, and probably the most exciting part of the entire tournament is they have an Elam ending, which we saw for the first time in the NBA All-Star game just this year. And we know how fantastic that All-Star game was. So the way this Elam ending works is when there's a stoppage that occurs with less than four minutes left in the game, so obviously it will be in the fourth quarter, an eight-point target is set on top of the leading team score. And the first of the two teams to reach that target score wins the game. So, for example, if the leading team is on 60 points, the trailing team is on 58 points, a stoppage of play occurs inside four minutes of time remaining in the game, then the target score will be set at 68. So, 8 plus 60, 68. And now whichever team reaches this target first wins the game. So, it's absolutely electric ending to games. I love it. But what has actually excited me about TBT is that we have seen some excellent ex-NBL 20 players playing and more importantly, killing it so far in the tournament. So as of today, as I'm recording this, some performances we've seen so far. The 36ers, Ramon Moore, dropped 24 points, one assist, two rebounds in a win. Taipan's teammates, not playing on the same TBT team. However, they both are playing in this tournament is Scott Machado and DJ Newbill. Machado had 23 points, four assists, and a W. DJ Newbill on his own team had 13 points, two rebounds, and a W. And Southeast Melbourne's John Roberson, phenomenal talent, had 26 points, five assists, three rebounds in a W, and he plays on the same team as Scott Machado, the Armoured Athletes. We also did see Eric Griffin pop up in this tournament. He had 16 points, one assist, four rebounds, and get this, five huge blocks. That unfortunately coming in a loss, so we won't see Eric Griffin again for the tournament, but the past imports are setting the standard for other players, and they're appearing to be the barometer. John Roberson broke the season's NBL three-point record last season. Scott Machado finished second in the MVP vote. DJ Newbill won NBL 20 Defensive Player of the Year. And for all the Eric Griffin trash talkers out there, you have to admit the dude can ball out. So as I've said, we're seeing some of the best in NBL 20 set the tone in this tournament. Therefore, if some of the other dudes in TBT can dance with the devil, aka our ex-NBL elite, then it's a pretty good indication that they'd be able to cut it as an import in the NBL itself. In a time in which it is unbelievably tricky to scout new imports due to the cloudy COVID-19 free agency landscape, I think NBL coaches should believe the hype when assessing talent from the basketball tournament in 2020. The tournament's legit. Let's go. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. Ah, that's hot. And a piece of news came across the desk this week stating that Scotty Hobson is heading back to the breakers in NBL 20. Free agency hasn't opened yet, so this is all speculation. However, if it's the truth, that's hot. And okay, to demonstrate my thoughts on Scotty Hobson, I want to preface the hot hand segment by saying that I believe Scotty Hobson is the second, yes, second best player in the NBL. Controversial, I know. Look, Scott Machado's fire. Lamar Patterson is a straight up baller. Deshaun Tate, he's filthy good. But to me, the only player that best Scotty Hobson last season was Bryce Cotton. I've broken down Scotty Hobson's play in podcast pass, so I won't bore you with more analytics. However, one stat that is more relevant in basketball and undoubtedly the most important stat that matters, it's the number of wins you're involved in. And Scotty Hobson played 21 games out of the 28 in NBL 20. In those 21 games he played, he helped win 14 of those games and therefore only lost seven. So for every three games that Scotty plays in, expect your team to win two of them 
which is just an incredible ratio for any sporting code. And you're probably going to get to the postseason nine times out of 10 if you're winning two out of every three games. Now, this stat, this wins, it's not exactly relevant if you're a role player or a bench player because there's other factors which contribute to wins. However, Scotty was the best player on the breakers for the majority of those wins. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. Also keep in mind the fact that the Breakers actually missed the playoffs in NBL 20 with a record of 15 wins and 13 losses. So if you're playing at home, Scotty Hobson was involved in 14 out of those 15 Breakers wins and only 7 out of the 13 losses. How incredibly important was it for the Breakers to re-sign this man? Extremely. Co-owner Matt Walsh and head coach Dan Shamir highly value Scotty Hobson and reports that he's signing on for NBL 21 should not surprise anyone. At 30 years old, 201 centimeters and 98 kilograms, Scotty is in his basketballing prime and he has the physical dimensions to dominate the NBL. Listen to these names. Jimmy Butler, 201 centimeters. Jason Tatum, 203 centimeters. Chris Middleton, 201 centimeters. Kawhi Leonard, 201 centimeters. So as you can now see, Scotty Hobson has the build of an NBA superstar and therefore it's not far-fetched to think that he could dominate NBL 21 if he plays 28 games. So I'll leave you with this before we finish this little hot hand mini segment. So in NBL 20, he averaged 19.14 points per game on 47% shooting from the floor and 40% from the land of plenty beyond the three-point arc, 4.5 assists per game, almost six rebounds a game, and 1.1 steals in 31 minutes of game time. So in 31 minutes, that's a pretty significant part of game he's going to be playing. He's an all-round threat. If the Breakers can get a complimentary team around Scotty Hobson, New Zealand might be my way too early pick for the NBL 21 playoffs. So New Zealand, make sure you run that hot hand. All right, here we are. And we are at Airball, a fan favorite out there already in its early days. So the NBL story, which I've heard this week, which is going to be receiving the Airball Award, is that John Robeson shouldn't be picked up by the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, according to the guys on NBL Overtime. So to give you guys some context, NBL Overtime ran a segment on the 30th of June, which was titled Yes or No. The question which was being posed by co-host Cam Luke was regarding bringing back imports to their current NBL teams. For example, Cam would ask Corey or Liam, do you think Lamar Patterson should rejoin the Bullets? They would either answer yes or no. So pretty simple. Now, most of these I didn't bat an eyelid to. I kept driving along on my merry way home from work. However, when Cam posed the question to Liam, would you take John Robeson back if you were the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix? And Liam Santa Maria answered no. I was shocked. As it was a yes or no type situation, there was no explanation that followed. But it left me scratching my head. Why no to a player who just broke the NBL single season three-point record? A record once set by Rodney Clark in 2014, where he made 19 threes over 28 games. Robeson made an incredible 112 threes last season over his 28 games. Why no to a player who fits the way the game is changing? As offense moves further and further away from the basket, and there's more emphasis being placed on shooting the long ball, why get rid of the best player to ever do it in the league? Why no to a player who just seems so marketable and likable for a new franchise looking to engage fans like Southeast Melbourne? Robeson's active on social media, and the general vibe I've picked up from Southeast Melbourne fans is that they love him. So look, I do understand that there's concerns over him defensively. At 180 centimeters tall, he's always going to be a slight liability defensively. However, he's not that bad of a defender that it's a huge problem. Sure, you won't line him up on the opposition's most dangerous guard. However, he is more than serviceable when he's playing team defense. Not only this, but his ability to score, facilitate, and shift defenses on the offensive end far outweighs any defensive shortfalls. 
I understand that when the import position is dropping from three to two for NBL 21, maybe there's greater emphasis to get more guys who can play both sides of the ball effectively. And by that, I mean guys who can not only defend the basket, but score down the other end. And maybe, just maybe, that's a justifiable reason as to why Southeast Melbourne should move on from him. However, this would be a problem if they didn't have the luxury of already having the NBL's best two-way player in Mitch Creek already locked into the roster. As Southeast Melbourne have Creek locked in, you can take some risks at the import spots. When your best players are local, imports are a luxury. Remember that. When Roberson was paired with Creek in Southeast Melbourne's small ball lineup, that is with Creek being the second biggest player behind Pinot, the Phoenix had an incredible offensive rating of 144 from 293 possessions. So that's incredible. And that's a pretty decent sample size there. So 293 times they went up the court together this five. Now, this is a lineup that they relied on about 20% of the time in NBL 20. This 144 offensive rating was the best in NBL 20. So keep that in mind as well. These five guys in Southeast Melbourne, which included Creek, Robeson, Majden, Gibbo, and Dane Pinot. In comparison, the best Perth Wildcats lineup offensively when looking at their ratings was 127. So keep in mind, 144 to the Phoenix. And that 127 offensive rating was a lineup which included Cotton, Kay, White, Norton, Plumley. So no slouches there. So when you look at this incredible offensive rating, 144, as I said, and the game is moving more and more to an offensive look, you can kind of deal with a slightly higher defensive rating from this Southeast Melbourne lineup. So to give you some context, their defensive rating was 115. Now with defensive rating, you want this to be lower as this means you're more effective at stagnating the opposition's gameplay. So by comparison, the Wildcats lineup that I just named for you guys, they have a defensive rating of 106. So remember Southeast Melbourne, 115. So when you compare the lineups of Southeast Melbourne and the Wildcats 5, it's clear that the Wildcats are better defensively. However, when we look at their net rating, which is the difference in offensive rating and defensive rating, we see that the Wildcats have a net rating of 21, which is 127 minus 106. So offensive rating minus defensive rating. Southeast Melbourne, on the other hand, have a net rating of plus 29, which is 144 minus 115. So as you can see, this Southeast Melbourne lineup concedes points, but at the same time, they score them pretty damn quickly and in bucket loads. And before I finish this segment, I just want you guys to understand just how good of a shooter John Roberson is. So I'm going to give you some percentages from the three-point line of some pretty damn good shooters in the NBL. And now these are the best the NBL has. Nick Kay shot 46% from three. Daniel Johnson, 44. Cam Glidden, 43. Stanton Kidd, 43. Jason Kadee, 42. DJ Newbill, 42. Clint Steindl, 42. Scott Machado, 40. And Bryce Cotton, 38. Now remember that Roberson shoots the ball at 44%, which ranks him right up there, if not at the top of the elite shooters in the league. But to be honest, it's not his accuracy which most blows me away. It's his accuracy and the quantity of the threes that he takes. So quality and quantity right there. So there are only three players in the NBL, including John Roberson, who shot over nine three-point attempts per game. The other two guys for your reference are Casper Ware and Chris Golding, two established shooters. So what are their percentages from NBL 20? Casper Ware shot 30% from three. Chris Golding shot 39% from three. Now that gives you a bit of an understanding that of quantity, high volume, three-point shooters, exactly how good John Roberson is at it. So Casper and Chris Golding, two dudes who are highly, highly sought after in NBL free agency, they shot the ball considerably worse than John Roberson in NBL 20. So with 5.5 assists, 20 points per game on 44% shooting from the land of plenty in 30 minutes per game, I think the Phoenix would be shooting themselves in the foot and Liam San Maria would be shooting a huge air ball by suggesting not to re-sign John Roberson. And that's our new segment done for this week. 
All right, so guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Now we're going to roll this on to our interview with Evan. Sit back and enjoy. It's a pretty good chat we got going on. We chat a bit about the creation of MBL News. And we also chuck in some way too early ladder predictions in there. So don't hate us on those, but enjoy those. So here it is. All right, so welcome to the Cool Cats Corner. I have a guest today in the corner, another... uh, Another big MBL diehard. I have Evan from MBL News that is on Twitter and that can be found on Instagram as well. Very cool. So welcome to the pod, Evan. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. No, happy to have you, man. It's a, it's a, it's an honor to finally put a face to the name and I'm happy to be sitting here doing this with you today. So first things first, we're a Cool Cats Corner podcast. We are the Perth Wildcats podcast. Are you a mutual MBL fan or do you have a team yourself? Yeah, I guess I'm a mutual NBL fan, but like I go for United. But for example, like I want Bryce Cotton in the league, like when he was looking at options in Europe, I wanted him to play for Perth. I want like big name guys like Lamelo and that to come to the NBL. So I don't care what team they're on, as long as they're you know good players coming along. You know, that's that's how I'm a mutual fan I am. I can go for any team, but I'm I'm mainly a United supporter, but like I go for any team really. No, absolutely. And I guess from, from your own kind of endeavours, running the pages themselves, that's quite a mutual spot. You're bringing the media to people from quite a mutual standpoint. So that's why I asked the question. But being from Melbourne yourself, a Melbourne United fan, a very good club in themselves. You guys have pinched off us Casey Prather and he, he won a title with you guys as well. So that's all right. That's no worries. No bad blood <laughs> held there, so don't stress. <laughs> um, but I guess kicking on to the, the NBL news pages, when did you start it firstly? And then what was the motivation behind starting it? I think it was around like 2014, 15, around there. I started it and um, started it because like at the time the NBL was not like posting anything on like their socials, specifically Instagram. So I thought I might as well make my own because I saw some like AFL pages and other sports pages like doing this. I'm like, oh, this is a cool idea. I might make a news page. So I did an NBL one and didn't take it seriously for the first bit of it. And then, you know, started to get going and a few players started to notice and follow. I'm like, all right, this is, this is getting good. And then, yeah, just stuck with it. And yeah. No, very cool. I really do enjoy the fact that it is the center point for media. And I really enjoy that there's a place where, you know, if you're a mutual NBL fan, you can go to yeah. this page, your page, NBL News, and you can get absolutely everything that's happening around the news. Yeah. So are, you, are you continuously following media yourself? Yeah. The best news I get is from Twitter. Like, main news reporters, I just look through Twitter and see what's happening, and that's where I get it. I get a few notifications on my phone in case it's, like, breaking news of NBL, and I, and I try and post it as, as fast as I can. So, yeah. Absolutely. And are there any, like, I guess, must-follow people on Twitter that, that you'd suggest for NBL fans? Yeah, I think the main reporter that breaks all the news is Olgan Ulik is mm-hmm. the name. Hopefully I got that right. No, um, yeah. <laughs> he, he posts, like, like he posted the Humphreys news and Pinder news and all, all the news before, like, free agency had started, so that's pretty cool. And, he's yeah, he's, he's probably most reliable. He's most reliable. He never gets anything wrong as well. So, yeah, I keep up the day with him and, yeah. Absolutely. So I've got the, the must-follow. So I get the alert whenever Olgan's hitting anything up as well. But surprisingly, or not surprisingly, because I guess you've been doing it for a little while now, you're pretty much straight on it as well with either an update or an edit yourself. So with the editing stuff, let's go with that. So are you picking up how to edit on the go? Because I know you have the, the jersey edits and you do your own personal free agency edits and stuff like that. Are you making that all up yourself? 
Yeah, I'm making that myself on Photoshop. I'm kind of like a beginner. I kind of want to get better and better at it. But yeah, just working on it and, and stuff and just kind of learn myself and yeah. Just gets better each week? Yeah, I, tr- I try and improve as good as I can, yeah. No, absolutely, man. So running the page, I'll blow you up right now. It's uh, almost 10,000 followers, which is pretty crazy on Instagram. Um, yeah. Do you receive any crazy like DMs and tips from people every every so often? Um, yeah, not, not really anything too major. I think the most crazy thing maybe is, um, there was kind of a rumor last year that Lamar Patterson was like going to Cairns or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, I think the son of the Cairns Taipans owner or CEO, something like that, DM me saying, that's not true. And he's not going to Cairns. So. No, no way. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's insane. So actually I noticed that on the page itself, it says not an official NBL page. Now, mm. did you decide to do that, I guess, from the onset, or was that, again, suggested to you by, like, I guess, one of these people? Uh, it was the NBL. They actually <laughs> messaged me on Instagram. And at the time, it was, like, a couple years ago, I had, like, the NBL as my logo, like, the actual NBL logo as my yeah. logo. So uh, they messaged me saying they have to change it up and say, not affiliated with them in my thing. So that's no, what I did, had to do. So, yeah. No, I like it. I like this type of rogue pirate media presenter uh, that you've got going on because I think it's I think it's really cool. And like I said, being that center point for media and bringing it to people, I think, man, what you've built is, is really cool and you're proud of it, definitely. Yeah. So you talked about the logo just previously and now you've decided to go with your own kind of little personal logo there, which is the black and white font and the orange label. Is that something you sketched up yourself or did someone else? Yeah, I I just designed myself. I just used like the colours of the NBL logo and just, I don't know if you saw, but I had another one before that. It was just like an all orange one. Yep. And I thought needed to change up and use and make it more modernised. And yeah, I just did a few sketch-ups of it and then made it in Photoshop and yeah. No, it's a, it's a good logo and I think it definitely has its own brand now as well, which is why I actually quite like the rogue type of media presenter. But like I said, the following has grown substantially. When did you see it really kind of blow up or has it happened kind of gradually as you've had it? I don't know. I think it's kind of been a consistent pace, like growing. There hasn't been like a major spike like out of nowhere. It's just consistently growing. But, yeah, once a few players and um, guys like Larry Kesselman, like the main guy, he likes lots of my posts. He follows me, which is oh, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that makes me think I can get a message out to him anyway. And Corey Williams and that, they like my posts and that. So a few players as well, which is pretty cool. So once I see them start following, it just gives me more motivation, I guess, to just you know keep producing good content and, yeah. No, absolutely. Those guys, Larry Kesselman, for you know those listening out there, owner of the MBLs. If anyone needs anything done, we're going to hit up Evan and he's going to pass that message on for us. Maybe maybe jump back to the 12-minute quarters potentially and see more basketball, but that's just a suggestion out there. I'd rather the All-Star game first. The All-Star game first? Is that is that the first yeah. you drop into his, his box there? Yeah, if I ever met him, I'd, I'd say All-Star game, need that. Need a nice little week in there and... That'd be pretty cool, I reckon. No, I, oh, I agree, man. I completely agree. If you were to have an all-star game from NBL 20, who are the type of guys would be seeing there, you reckon? I don't know. I would have like a uh, import versus Aussies game, I reckon, mm-hmm. and maybe have like, um, I don't know, a Rising Stars game as well. So like have, you know, how they have that G League team now with like Jalen Green and some of those young 
guys going to the draft next year. Mm-hmm. They could come down and first like under twenty three NBL side with like guys like Ooh Magne and stuff like that. That'd be yeah. an awesome idea, man, because that would actually give us a pretty good understanding as to where our young guys are in comparison to the guys that are about to commit to the draft. So I think that's, yeah. a, that's an awesome idea, uh, personally. But what I do really want to talk about now, and what, what my listeners probably want to hear as well, is a bit about on um, Wildcats free agency. So yeah. this side of the country, we are gearing up, hopefully, you know, for a three-feet. This is hopefully on our end. We have a bit of a team which is neither here nor there at the moment, to give our listeners a bit of an understanding. We have Mitch Norton currently signed, Bryce Cotton signed, Wani Swaka, Le Bullock signed, Clint Steindl, Jesse Wagstaff, Majok Majok, and Luke Travis as a development player. So we have four spots still remaining in our 10 roster lineup. So a big concern over here, Evan, is that Damian Martin is going to retire. Look, actually, I heard... Someone mentioned it on Twitter. I saw it was in a recent radio interview that he said he's still keen on playing and that he, he could be fully fit by December. So who knows? He hasn't made it yet. And most guys like Wesley and Kevin Leach have already announced their retirement. So you never know. Absolutely. So the words that I'm hearing as well is that he does want to play on. And the season being pushed back as it has been for COVID, it's actually giving him the best chance to play on next season as well. And the Wildcats aren't forced to make a decision on this spot and decide in free agency. But if he was to decide to call a quits on a career, six-time NBL champion, six-time defensive player of the year, have you got some guards in free agency who you reckon would be a pretty handy fit for that spot? I think the main guy that a lot of NBL teams should look at is um, Will McDowell-White, mm-hmm. who um, recently this season played in the G League and I think he played for the Kings as a development player a few years ago. Um, I reckon he could fit in that Wildcat spot as a backup point guard straight away. I think he's still relatively young as well, so um, he's still got a lot of growth. So I think a lot of NBL teams should be trying to get big signature and especially the Wildcats if Damian Martin doesn't come back. Absolutely. So that was Will McDowell-White. So, yeah, you're right. So 22 years old. I did see you post this on NBL News as well as a suggestion. Uh, which I really liked because I hadn't seen the name really pop up anywhere. Probably have to do a bit more digging into my own roots of Australian basketball. But he's a six foot five point guard from from Brisbane, and he's actually the son of the famous Brisbane Lion AFL player Daryl White, who was a, an athlete in himself. I did go and look at some highlights when you when you did suggest it, and what I really enjoyed from him was that he's so quick in the open court really able to push the ball, throw it down, great rebounder. I guess great great coast-to-coast type of guy who would really fit the Wildcat system. So I think that'd be a, a fantastic player. Any other guards out there in free agency which you could kind of foresee going to the Cats? There's not many out there, I reckon. I was going to say Dejan Dejelvic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but so he's apparently going to Sydney, what I heard a few days ago. So, yeah, I don't think there's as many Aussie local guards as there is big men available out there that the Wildcats would get. So that's what I'm saying. McDowell White's a big recruit to get. A bit, he'd be a big name to get, and I'm, I absolutely hope that the Wildcats staffers out there are trying to make contact. But I wrote down a couple of other names here, just doing my own little bits of research, and you can maybe tell me how, I guess, viable they are at ending up at the Cats. So I have Kevin White, Jared Kenny, Sunday Detch, Dan Greeter, Taylor Britt, who we did have last year as a development player. And then I threw in a little bit of a roughie here. It's Deshaun Taylor, and he's an import, obviously, hasn't signed with Sydney as of yet. 
but I threw him in as a roughie. Are there any of those guys that I named, any seem more likely than not to go to the Cats? Yeah, I, was, I actually was going to say uh, Taylor Britt, who's been, uh, who's a development player for the Cats last year. He's been playing really well in New Zealand NBL, so uh, maybe they get him as well. I think he's one of the best players right there in the league, and he's, he's playing right now, so he'll be ready for the NBL by December for sure. So I reckon Wildcats should look at him and maybe a few other teams as well. He's, he's looking pretty good. I definitely think you're going to get some uh, some news about Taylor Britt, no doubt, because even last year the Wildcats did lean on him in late-game situations. Just not so much that they were leaning on him, but when the time came to kind of clear the bench, he was definitely the first one to be cleared off the bench. So averaging, you're right, 22.7 points per game in the New Zealand NBL at the moment, which is pretty impressive. Stands at 187 centimetres, 77 kilograms, 23 years old. So he'd be a great signing to elevate from the development player list, I agree, as well. Um, but what do you want to touch on next? Because we're going to have, we are going to have with the departure of Nick Kay vacancies at the, I guess the three, the four, and if Miles Plumley doesn't sign at the five. So are there any names which you're hearing, which could potentially end up with us? Yeah, I think the main one is, um, Duop Reith, who's, uh, I think is training with the Wildcats right now. Mm. So I think he at center. I think he will be a, a really solid starting center for them. I think he needs to be signed at the Wildcats, otherwise I think they might be stuffed. I, well, they'll still make the finals, obviously, they're the Wildcats, <laughs> but there's, I think you have to go up to, you have to throw everything at him since Nick Kay's gone. He's, he's the main guy you got to get and work around him, I guess, and um, yeah. Okay, so that was Jock Reith, 24-year-old, 6'11", 211 centimetres, 111 kilograms, that's a lot of 11s, but an LSU product himself, like Shaquille O'Neal, so you know they know how to make big dudes. And he could stroke the three in college, so he shot 37.5% from beyond the arc in three. So, look, I'd love to have Jock on the Wildcats team, especially to fill that void if Plumlee can't play. Anyone, any other kind of names you see coming up? I saw Brock Modem come up recently. Did you see him filling the Nick K slot? Yeah, I heard a couple of days ago that he was released in Spain, but he's he's worth a lot of money. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure he would he would love to play in the NBL, but I don't think most teams have the money to afford a guy like him. He would be a huge recruit, and I think Liam Santa Maria said the only teams that could possibly get him with their money is um, Perth or Sydney, I'm pretty sure. So he would be a huge recruit. That'd be massive. So, yeah, Brock, I think, what, 29 years old now? Definitely around that age. And he was previously yeah. with Valencia. So, yeah, that was the team he was was released by. And I think, so I think from memory, it was a 2014-15 season. He was with Adelaide and he was, mm. he was about 17, 18 points per game, eight rebounds, something like that. But... Could absolutely ball out. I'd love to be able to see him in the Wildcats red. Um, I've, mm. I've seen a couple of other names pop up, so I want to run yeah. them by you. Firstly, I saw Cam Bairstow pop up. Have you yeah. heard anything on that? No, I don't know what his um, current situation is, but um, I think someone mentioned it on NBL Overtime. Cam Luke, I said, I'm pretty sure he said, like, maybe the Wildcats get Cam Bairstow because he played in uh, Lithuania because I don't know if someone didn't offer him a good enough contract in the NBL or no one offered him a contract at all. But I reckon he can still be a starter in the league. I mean, he played in the NBA a few years ago. So, I mean, he's, he would definitely be a good player for the Wildcats at power forward or even centre. 
and he'd be that he is that type of player that would really again with like that type of guy like Brock Modem who would really fit I guess that four spot that the Wildcats really need and look if you get a Bearstow maybe you don't really need a big centre to back or even play in front of Majok Majok so I think that's really interesting definitely so he was drafted to the Chicago Bulls the NBA really shot the three ball pretty well so that was 43.6% when he was at the Bullets so when you think about that 43.6 John Roberson shot it at 44% 44% in NBL 20. So you can just see how electric that is. Obviously, Cam Bairstow probably not with the volume that Roberson was producing as well. But so what Cam Bairstow, what about, and this is a guy who the cool cats out there know pretty well, which is Angus Brandt. Obviously, having played at the Wildcats before, could you see a guy like him, 31 years old, coming back to the Cats? Yeah, easily as well. I don't know his current situation, but there's a lot of good Aussie locals, bigs out there that, um, would be massive coops for whatever team it is. And I think guys, teams like Kansas, I probably need it. If they don't get Cam Oliver, they might need a guy like Angus Brandt or Bear Cell. There's, there's a lot of teams that need good bigs and Wildcats is definitely that team right now. No Nick Kay and might not get Plumley back and only two imports. Um, you know, there's a lot of good guys, Bear Cell and as you said, and Modem, and um, even throw Brand in there at centre. I mean, he already knows Wildcat's system. He only left for one year, so... That's it. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, uh, left for one year. He's a classic type of centre player, and if we can't get a Plumley and we want to save that import spot, why not go with Brand? You know, if he knows the system, you're right. He knows Trevor Gleeson. He was a two-time champ with the Cats as well. So, two of the... What is it? Ten? No, I'm just playing with you, Evan. It's definitely ten. <laughs> Um, sorry mate I brought you on to toys um, but if we didn't decide to go with um, if we didn't decide to go with Plumley at import we went Brandt for example at centre we probably need an import to fit that spot that Tariko White may leave is there anyone out there who you kind of see fitting that role yeah there's been a lot of suggestions but I think they either have to bring back Plumley or Tariko, and I think, you know, if I was the Wildcats GM, I would bring back Tariko mm-hmm. and try and sign two good Aussie big men to fill the, the starting spots because there's a lot more good locals, local bigs out there. But they can try and also go for Dengadel. I think he's been the Hawks are trying to pursue him. So he would be a good recruit for someone. So maybe the Wildcats get him and then bring back Plumley and then maybe throw Bearstow or someone else, whoever they can at power forward and see what they go there. But No, absolutely. I think that's... Look, Dengadel would be an incredible signing. Whether we have the resources, I guess, to bring him in, which I'd love to have him... It'd be nice if he was over here on the West Coast training, but obviously with the state of the country at the moment, it's obviously pretty tricky to do. But I had a thought. I don't think it's crazy, but you tell me how likely maybe it is of happening. And it was the fact that potentially Tariko White doesn't return. We did see a slight drop off from last year. I'm a big Tariko White guy, but if he wasn't to return, I thought potentially bring in Devondrick Walker. Um, and the reason I thought that was because he's already previously been scouted by the Wildcats and we signed him previously before he was injured. That was for the 2017-18 season. And I thought that he didn't really get enough time to show himself for Southeast Melbourne. I guess he came in over halfway through the season, so not even half left. And he didn't really get to show out. He, he came and played his first game here, actually, in which I really enjoyed. Uh, the time was counting down in the jungle. It was almost halftime. And they have an ISO possession. Devondre Walker brings it up. 
he gets no one on a switch, brings it to the corner, knocks it down. And I just love that confidence in a player. So I'd love to have someone like him back. Chances of him returning to, to Perth to fill that spot? I think pretty low. I don't think... I mean, he was all right at Phoenix. He didn't get as much of an opportunity. I think it's better off bringing back a guy like Tariko or maybe finding someone else. But I don't know if he's a right fit. The NBL has changed over the last few years. So as we saw in Phoenix, he wasn't the superstar. To, yeah, I don't think he won any games at Phoenix when he was there. So, yeah, it's it's a different different era of NBL now. So, you know, maybe they've they got to really look for a three import if they can't bring um, Tariko back. That's actually a really good point you make, was the fact that Southeast Melbourne didn't win games late in the season, and that is when he actually came into the side. Mm. So a really good point. So maybe, maybe you've given us the red flag that we need, uh, need Evan there. So thanks very much, mate. <laughs> but there's, look, there's some big minutes, huge minutes to be filled, because I went through the team last year from NBL 20. Bryce Cotton, 34 minutes a game. Tariko White, 30 minutes a game. Nick Kay, 30 minutes a game. Plum Lee, 20 minutes a game. So Damian Martin, 21 minutes a game. So that's... Four of our top five minute getters potentially not returning. Dire straits, I guess, for the Cats at the moment. I think we're going to see a little bit from Luke Travis throughout the year, hopefully, because in my mind, he's going to take that Jesse Wagstaff type of role. Had a long time with the Cats, try win some championships while you can. Or is he a type of guy who you could foresee potentially onto the NBA? I don't know how much of Travis you've seen. Uh, I think he had one good game during the last season. And then as soon as he had that game, I'm pretty sure Perth sign him on like a three-year deal as soon as he had that <laughs> decent game. And I think he's only 18 as well. I think he fits the mould with Wani Swakula Bullock. I mean, they've got two young small forwards there or that can play a shooting guard or power forward, whatever Trevor Gleeson plays in next season. But they've got a few young guys, so they'll definitely step up this season. And um, I think Cotton, Cotton will be playing about 40 minutes next season, I reckon. <laughs> way, to, way to go. No, I agree with you. He's already playing pretty huge minutes. As I've previously stated in the podcast, when he played in college, he was one of the few dudes to actually, I think he was top two in the nation for his minutes. And that's across all forms of college. So he's had that stamina and longevity for a long time. And you're probably right. He's probably going to have to play about 40 minutes next year for us to to get anywhere. Before we kind of wrap this up and and kick on, I want to get your predictions for how you think the top four are going to finish next season. So we haven't even hit free agency yet. I want this is a, this is called the way too early prediction. I'll give you mine if you give me yours type of situation. So have you got four teams current rosters who you think are in the best position to make the four? For me, probably I'm going to say the breakers are going to be up there. I think they're close to signing Ty Webster is what I heard. And to have him, Corey Webster, Scotty Hobson likely to re-sign, which is huge. Finn Delaney, Rob Lowe. And then you've got guys like Abercrombie off the bench. And they still got another import there. You know, the great coach as well, Dan Shamir. I think he's a pretty underrated coach from last year. I think they can really make the finals. So um, them is definitely in top four. Got to have the Wildcats. I mean, you can't can't say they're not making the finals ever. They've got to find a way. Even if they start off the season 0 and 10, they've got to find a way no matter what. I think another team, probably the final two, maybe Melbourne and Sydney, they always, I mean, they've got lots of money, so they've got to get the right players. Even though Bogut's leaving Sydney and Melbourne, they've lost two of their big imports in Trimble and Long, you know. They're, they're still going to find some good players, I reckon. They'll be able to... There were some big-name recruits, so I think that would be my four. 
So who, before, you, before I give you my thought, because I do want to ask you this as well, who do you kind of foresee going to Melbourne? So this is your team. I guess you follow it a little bit more closely. Who do you foresee going there? Well, firstly, I hope Goulding resigns. All points lead to him resigning. I'm just waiting for that announcement. Look, there was originally got to be Mango Mathiang. I mean, he was training with them and um, pretty sure they threw a deal at him. Um, but he, today, I think earlier this morning, he signed in Slovenia. So that's a big loss for them. But um, I also heard they're getting Jack White. That's been a rumoured signing for them. So he would be a massive get for Melbourne United. And I think I just heard before that they um, got Mason Petling, who's a college player, Division One college player last year. He's Australian. Um, he scored 54 points in a game last year, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> in D1 college. So um, I think he's signed on the development player and he's got to be on the main roster. So he's a, he's a really good signing to get. And I think they might bring Barlow back, maybe Sam McDaniel. Jerry Luella Kuehl's already signed back there as well as McCarron and Pratha and Ely. But I don't know. They might have to get rid of Pledger or Smith Milner. I don't know. They, they might have to start Barlow again. As much as I think it's time for Dave Barlow to come off the bench, you know, I was thinking they'd get uh, Matthew Yang and signed maybe a cheaper import for, so it'd be like McCarron at the point, Goulding at the two, Pray for at the three and then an import four and Mango. But um, now that he's not signing, they might have to play my Barlow at the four and then get import five. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think that's actually a pretty good wrap-up, like where your team's, team's at at the moment. So I did hear the news on Jack White as well. That'd be a massive get. Duke captain, I'm pretty sure, for a little portion there. So obviously he's a pretty highly regarded guy. But yeah, I think the Melbourne team's going to be pretty exciting next year. They're definitely on my fringe for the four. And you're right. I think Melbourne's going to be there or thereabouts. So my four way too early predictions, uh, I'm going to go with the breakers like yourself because I think they're signing, like you said, they're having some guys come back. They're going to be a really good team, especially with this signing of Scotty Hobson. In this podcast itself, I'm going to release it with a bit of a news week cycle that I do in my podcast. And I do touch on Scotty Hobson returning and how great the breakers will be, I think. So I think the breakers will be there. I think the Brisbane Bullets, they're probably looking pretty handy at the moment. Uh, Lamanis is going to be hungry for finals, missing last season. Obviously, being a coach in three-peat with the breakers, as he was, he's a, he's a winning coach, so I think he's going to get his guys back there, and I think he's done a good job in retaining the talent that's around there. My true last teams, so I think the Wildcats will be there, and the reason is Bryce Cotton, and I've got my Bryce Cotton merch on. You may have to see. Um, <laughs> i got, I got Evan here on a Zoom call. For the, for the cool guys back there. But Bryce Cotton being back, he's a winner. It's a winning organisation, so I think they'll be there again. And hopefully, fingers crossed, 35 consecutive straight final series would be really, really cool. Touch wood. And my last team, Sydney. But coin toss Melbourne in that, no, no dramas at all. But it's Sydney purely because I think Will Weavers, he just seems to be cooking over there. He just seems to be getting the team doing exactly what's right. And leading, being a first-year NBL head coach and taking a team week one to week 20, first to first, I think is incredible. First time in NBL history. And I don't foresee a coach like that missing the playoffs. So they're, they're my four, Evan. But I've really enjoyed the, uh, the chat today. I want to I plug your stuff one more time for the cool cats out there. Hopefully get a few more Wildcats following you. But you're on Twitter, NBL News. Instagram, yeah. NBL News, and that's where people can find you. Yeah, on Facebook as well. 
on Facebook as well. So for all you guys out there, make sure you go ahead and give Evan a follow because like I said, I'm a big fan of the work he's doing and it's really fun to kind of watch it grow and, and the perspective that he kind of brings and the way he brings it to you is, is really cool in itself. So a big cool cat thank you to yourself, Evan. Thanks for uh, checking in with us from quarantine because I know Melbourne's, uh, Melbourne's a bit rough at the moment with the, uh, with the yeah. virus. Yeah. Um, but no, thanks very much for, for jumping on, man. No worries. Thanks for having me. All right, that's the podcast for you, Cool Cats. I hope you've enjoyed our chat with Evan today. So make sure you go follow him at NBL News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you've also subscribed to this podcast, The Cool Cats Corner, on whatever you're listening to this on. Thanks again for stopping by. I've had a lot of fun bringing it to you this week. We'll be back in two weeks to look at what's happened in free agency for the Perth Wildcats. Hopefully, a lot of fun stuff happens. We're going to have a completely new squad gearing up for that three-peat. But one last time, my name is Mason Delero. This is the Cool Cats Corner. Thanks for chilling. Much love all.